Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, April the 5th, 2023. As always, I'm talking to you from San Francisco on the edge of Silicon Valley where tech happens and uh, tech isn't doing so well recently, as everybody knows. At the weekend, we did a show with um, uh, a researcher on addictive digital technologies, Gaia Bernstein. I think she's at NYU. She has a new book out, Unwired, Gaining Control Over Addictive Technologies. And she argued on the show uh, that we need to treat uh, addictive technologies like social media as if they're tobacco or fast food products. It's an interesting idea. And uh, Gaia Bernstein's uh, arguments were echoed today in The New Yorker uh, as a piece by Jay Caspian Kang. Uh, the case for banning children from social media. Once the New Yorker, historically one of the cheerleaders for social media and big tech, or certainly the internet, now is increasingly turning against it. Kang suggests that um, uh, social media does seem uniquely harmful to young people, particularly on their minds. And there are more and more calls amongst politicians to ban it. Uh, Representative Stewart has introduced a social media ban. And even uh, the, Sur the Surgeon General has recently uh, came out last month suggesting that kids under 14 shouldn't use social media. A lot of it has to do with its impact, social media, on children's uh, mental health. Um, there was an excellent piece uh, a week or two ago in the Financial Times analyzing the teen mental health crisis, which it describes as a reckoning for big tech. And it was written by my guest today, uh, the San Francisco-based or a San Francisco-based correspondent, uh, tech correspondent for uh, the August London Financial Times, Hannah Murphy. And she's talking to me from the Mission District in San Francisco, not too far where I am. Uh, Hannah, the dark clouds are circling on social media. It seems as if everyone now is waking up to their impact, particularly on young people. When did you begin to realize as a tech correspondent that this was a huge problem? I think almost anecdotally speaking, um, I have thought just using social media in my older years, you know, thank God I wasn't 13 when Instagram was around. Thank God I didn't grow up with it in those younger years where you see people putting up photos of themselves, asking people to like or comment, a kind of ratings system, if you will. Um, and so I think just naturally as a, as a woman and young person, slightly older, when I was 18, social media first came in, um, into my life, sort of MySpace and, and Facebook then. Um, but when it comes to my current role, I think what we've seen recently is sort of bipartisan support for um, some action around uh, social media and concerns. And you just hear this sort of refrain, what about the kids? And it doesn't matter where on the political spectrum you stand, parents are noticing changes in behavior. 
every person has a probably a story like mine and says, thank God I wasn't there at the time in those years. And so I think it's sort of, a, 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 I guess, anecdotal together with um, noticing some politicians standing up and pointing to an increasing amount of research in the space. Now, there are various different camps um, uh, who sort of point to whether this is sort of direct causation, whether it's sort of more of a correlation between mental health and, um, and uh, young people. But um, yeah, there is an increasing concern uh, more generally now. Those camps have always existed. Uh, I've had many, many conversations over the years, even arguments about its impact. The traditional defense, I'm not sure if it's as vocal now as it used to be, but the traditional defense is that there's always been hysteria over new media. There was hysteria over print, hysteria over newspapers, hysteria over radio, hysteria over television, hysteria mm -hmm. over web one of the internet, and it always blows over. Is this just another chapter in our hysteria over new media, or is it something different? Well, okay, so there's the, the, there's the hysteria camp. And uh, I would say that camp points to, you know, there are lots of different things that could be causing what is a, a clear um, uh, increase in sort of mental health woes young, among young people. And that might be sort of changing conditions of childhood more broadly, changing labor market, uh, lack of mental health support in schools, various demographic shifts, the argument being that it's sort of extremely reductionist. COVID, of course, that one. COVID, exactly. And that, you know, some of the research is sort of taking these trivially small correlations and making these very broad claims. Um, and others will show, uh, sort of point to studies that show, for example, you'll have, um, particularly among young males, uh, surveys will show they say that we naturally feel more isolated and social media has allowed us to find a community and helped us to combat loneliness and this is a positive experience. At the same time there's sort of what I would say is a growing amount of research you're seeing sort of hundreds of correlational studies and they suggest a link between um, social media and a decline in mental health particularly for A for girls for young women, for young teens, teen girls, and B for heavy users. So the heavier the user, the more this seems to have, have an impact and it sort of goes up like this. Whereas by, by and large, sort of lighter users are fine. And then there are several dozen studies that attempt to sort of demonstrate causation um, by testing a kind of sequence of events. So proving that, you know, it's not that someone is depressed um, who then uses social media after the fact, it's more that they try to track, they use it, and then the more they do, that affects their mood, and, and the cycle goes around like that. Um, and then there's this sort of third camp that's more, I guess, lo looks at a, maybe a particular town, a sort of more ecological val validity, a town or area, and trying to sort of see what happens as social media sweeps in, um, as the internet swept in, and, and suggesting that mental health issues do indeed rise but the, the two camps are slightly at loggerheads and um one you know maintains that it's all this data is very conclusive and the other says it's not at all um the causation link is not clear enough 
um, and that there needs to be in fact more research before more sort of evidence-based research before we can draw those conclusions. Before we drill into the details, and, and, and your excellent piece in the FT was, was full of these charts and research papers, let's define what we mean by social media. Often this term is used indistinguishably from the internet or from one kind of online media or another. What do you mean by it and what should we mean by it to really define it not too narrowly, but exactly enough without it becoming an amorphous term to describe any kind of technology we don't like? Mm. I would say that it is um, the platforms that try to create a social experience to connect people. Um, and there's sort of twofold ways, one being through messaging directly and the other through sort of generating content and conversations publicly. Um, that's how I would how I would see it. What, does that tally with what you think of as social well, media? Well, you're you're the expert. I'm I'm just asking the questions. Um, the the Wikipedia entry suggests that social media are interactive web 2.0 internet based applications. I wonder whether we should then include. This is social media. This is an RSS feed-driven blog uh, podcast. Are blog social media are the early examples of social media? It's hard to really refine or define. It is. I think the one, I suppose, one thing that strikes me about these social media companies is that they, if you're on Facebook and your desire is to connect everyone on the planet, you know, every single human is your customer. And I don't know that for many companies have that sort of grand ambition of absolutely every single uh, person on the planet is a customer or potential customer, because obviously there are limits on young people um, uh, using these platforms. Um, but everyone is at least a customer or a pot potential customer. Um, Guy Bernstein talked about the fact that big tech companies have, have have consciously attempted to build technology which is addictive. You don't go quite as far in your piece, but you do have some charts about teenagers' addiction to social media. Uh, do you use this term addiction in a, in, a, in a medical context? I mean, we all throw this word around. I hope lots of people are addicted to my show, but I don't suppose anyone is quite literally They're not going to they're not going to have uh, a crisis if they don't get keen on for a few days. What, what, what do you mean or what should we mean by addiction? I think in the case of social media, there is evidence to suggest that the sort of dopamine kick of a hit of, of getting a, um, a like or a comment can have a, an impact on a young person's brain um, and, uh, you know, force them to keep coming back. And the, there are sort of heavier users who show signs of addiction, which are sort of insomnia, uh, irritability, uh, dysphoria, anxiety. Um, and so, you know, one, someone that we, that we interviewed didn't um, include in the piece said to me, it's, it's, it's just as if a generation of young people suddenly started spending eight hours a day on slot machines, getting, getting that kick and so, they do have that. Um, and not only that, but it's free. They don't lose all their money because 
kids would never spend eight hours a day on a slot machine because eventually they'd lose all their money and that would be the right. end. Of it. It's free. Uh, and there free. is. But we, of course, pay. I mean, people used to say we pay with our data, with our identity, with our privacy. But now you're mm. suggesting and Bernstein's suggesting that we pay with our sanity. Yes, I mean, the, 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 there are some, some, some data, some research that show the link, particularly for these heavier users. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's out there. Yeah, you keep on talking um, about heavy users. Uh, Bernstein talks about uh, equivalents with the tobacco industry or with perhaps the alcohol or fast food industry. For most people, an occasional glass of wine or a hamburger isn't a bad thing, but if you're doing it every day or every minute, it's very bad. Do you think that when it comes to this teen mental health crisis and the mental health and perhaps even the broader mental health crisis connected with social media, that there is a, a, a healthy use and an unhealthy use of social media? I mean, it's like, I mean, even today, there's these debates now about alcohol. It used to be assumed that one glass of wine a day was actually good for you. And now the researchers are showing it actually isn't. So perhaps... One could one argue, Hannah, that any use of social media is 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 pretty unhealthy. Uh, I think you know the the times in which it's sort of just a it's an online um, way of socialising and it's a replication of that and it and it shouldn't shouldn't be um, too damaging. But the idea that it's sort of for young people, I think it's the idea that sort of we're seeing this shift from in childhood from sort of unsupervised free play being outdoors to being on phones all the time doing socializing purely on phones and therefore that's sort of taking away human to human contact contact where you know you might learn things like empathy um, and this is sort of rewiring young people's brains during formative years um, and it can you know it can creep into Things like sleep, you know, the impacting sleep, causing sleep de deprivation if young people are spending sort of eight hours on their phone longer than they would spend at school or with their with their own family. Um, you mentioned the sort of addiction piece. And then there's a sort of the a piece that can be sort of more unknown, I think, which is the exposure to all, all types of content. And this goes for the internet more broadly than um, than than social media. But this might include sort of seeing distressing content, self-harm, um, hypersexualized content that might have a de detrimental effect on young people. The part, the role that social media plays there is that obviously its algorithms work in such a way that, you know, you get fed more and more of content that you might show that you have an interest in. That's obviously for the social media platforms to then um, learn what you like, try to hook you in to maximize engagement, sell ads. Um, uh, advertised to you so that you hopefully click on products and then they get a they get a cut of that um, so the sort of the algor algorithmic recommendations um, can send people down a rabbit hole that's been well documented and for young people that's obviously particularly harmful is there a, a socioeconomic dimension to this in my conversation with Gaia Bernstein who has a couple of teenage kids she explained that um, she was initially triggered on this by her kids' use of it, but 
middle to upper class people living on the coast in San Francisco or Brooklyn are pretty active, aggressive parents. It seems to me, she, she actually said this wasn't true, but it seems to me as if the kids most vulnerable are one parent children, children without any adult supervision, where their parents or parent might work two or three jobs and are often out at night. In terms of your research on the teen mental health crisis, is it affecting poorer kids more than wealthy ones or is it across the board? So I haven't seen research on this specifically, but it's an interesting point because um, a lot of the social media platforms are pointing to um, initiatives they're taking around adding parental controls, saying this is what we can do to help um, mitigate some of the sort of harmful effects. Um, we're going to add in ways in which parents can sort of um, curb usage, time spent, have a view over what their child is doing. And then the counter argument to that is obviously, well, it's all very well offering those, or in some cases, um, in some states in the US are looking to sort of legislate and, and um, uh, require parental consent to use social media. But the, the argument is then, well, you know, not everyone has, uh, not everyone has parents, not everyone has two parents or even one parent who um, may want to um, try to make sure that their usage is healthy and that they notice if a young person is sort of right, or, or parents withdrawing who, or whatever. Yeah, or pa parents who have any kind of social media literacy of their own. Right, exactly. Um, plenty of... Uh, Plenty of young people, I'm sure, can get away with things without sort of under the radar with their parents just not having any idea of the, the realities of what's um, what might be happening uh, on these platforms. So let's get into the details. Uh, your your excellent piece is full of charts on persistent feelings of sadness, seriously considering suicide. All the charts, of course, are up. Making a suicide plan, attempted suicide I mean, there's a huge difference, Hannah, between persistent feeling of sadness and um, attempted suicide. In, in terms of the research, where are we seeing the steepest curve, the most worrying shift when it comes to how, how kids are feeling and what they're doing to, to deal with those feelings? I think um, some of the most worrying areas around sort of self-image and self-worth uh, for young for young women, um, particularly on platforms that are more visual, like TikTok, like, um, like Instagram. Uh, I think sort of boys have tended towards YouTube and video games, and then with girls, it's towards these more visual platforms. Um, and there's a combination of them seeing sort of perfect, what they would deem to be perfect bodies and comparing like relentless comparison, seeing sort of self-help videos of how to look better. And then they, they themselves feeling compelled to put up uh, pictures of themselves and uh, in order to get a response from others and get that, that dopamine hit or not get that dopamine hit. Um, and then on top of that, if, if they are sort of, when it comes to the, I guess this, the self-harm side of things, if, if, if that's something they're looking into, then you know, the algorithm, and this is something that 
Meta and Facebook are very much trying to, to stop and have said they're going to police more firmly. Sort of, there have been cases, Molly Russell being, being one of them, a young girl who sort of went down that rabbit hole to the point that she did take her own life. Um, and that's sort of been... Although when you look at one of the charts in your piece, um, the, the boys and girls' uh, numbers of rates of suicide are increasing at exactly the same proportion. There doesn't seem to be any difference between boys and girls. And I wonder, we, we've done some shows on a, a, a sort of a parallel crisis of male identity, young male identity. Um, are boys behaving differently? Is it bringing out different kind of qualities, bullying qualities, racism, uh, hatred of people of other sexual or cultural identities? Yeah, I mean, just sort of anecdotally, we're seeing a rise of um, figures like like Andrew Tate. Um, right, the, who's in jail about, now in Romania. Right, exactly, about... Um, masculinity and uh, through very gendered uh, conversations the uh, ideals around how women um how women should behave and, and a man's role in society um so i do think yeah there's there's another sort of separate issue and we, we go into that less in the piece but um it ties into these wider cultural societal conversations i think yeah, I mean, it's depression, as you put in the in the piece. It's depression. It's eating disorders. It's self-harm. Well, you, you cite a number of scientific white papers on this um, in terms of brain development um, uh, and in terms of the risks. What are the, the researchers telling us? I'm always slightly skeptical of, of research because every research paper says something else and is always used by one kind of interested party or another but you don't seem to me to be, be particularly interested one way or the other are there is there a consensus increasingly hannah in terms of what the researchers are finding here i think that you know you have the camp who says that in its totality the research is sort of very conclusive on the links. Um, at the same time, you know, the platforms themselves pushing back pretty strongly on, on that and denying that, that direct link um, and saying, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the sort of multi-factors that impact mental health. Um, and so uh, we also mentioned, what about the pandemic, for example? Um, so it's still, depending on where you sit, um, still still being debated, but it, it is clear that there are sort of, there are trends and even anecdotally, um, just looking at the number of sort of lawsuits out there, um, trying to challenge the platforms on this and arguing that the, they deliberately created this uh, for-profit, um, deliberately sort of tried to hook young people in um, without thinking about the unintended consequences. Um, it, it, it's clear. And then you also had, obviously, the Francis Hagen whistleblower. Um, yeah, who, who whistleblowed, uh, who, who whistleblew who Francis whistled Hagen on uh, Facebook, very influential figure. Is she yeah, quite visible so, now, Francis Hagen? What, what is she doing? Um, I'm not entirely sure what she's she's doing at the moment, but her... Probably the, writing a book if, if... Yeah, she did. She She went on a bit of a 
a speaking tour, I think, for a while after uh, Lone Wolf. So, um, but, so... but her research was interesting because it was she ex Facebook that, she, yes, she whispered she through on, on Facebook. She released some uh, Instagram research um, that she said showed that they. Um, that the platform knew that it was harmful to young women, especially around the sort of self, self-image side of things and eating disorders. Uh, and she sort of argued that they suppressed it. The studies themselves um, were surveys of young people, so perhaps not a little flimsy. Sort of if someone's addicted to something, they might say that they like it, um, even if it's not great for them, for example. But the, the, the studies themselves, Facebook sort of responded and annotated them um, and pushed back. And um, we did see within the studies um, points that weren't altogether conclusive. So yes, for some, some people saying their personal experience was actually more positive, but overall um, uh, sort of did not look good for Meta. Um, Hannah, are there generalizations we can make about the behavior of the state in the face of this? In the UK, uh, social media bosses now, according to a piece in the FT, uh, may face jail under an amendment to the UK online safety bill. Uh, California, where you and I are, um, there's a tightening, but nothing compared to the UK. And then, of course, Europe. Uh, uh, Europeans, for example, are telling Elon Musk to hire more staff to moderate Twitter. The Europeans have always uh, been a, a little bit more aggressive. Are there generalizations one can make about Europe and the US and California, or is everyone dealing with this crisis differently? I'm seeing certain themes emerging from across the various legislation that tackle slightly different things. Um, so one being sort of the the underlying design of the platforms, how they're designed at their core. So in the UK and, in, and soon in California, I believe there's this sort of age appropriate design code, which essentially um, it mandates these online platforms and social media platforms among them to sort of take into account the best interests of children when designing the platforms. And that might include sort of not using nudge techniques to try to get children to stay on the platform for longer, not, um, handing over, encouraging them to hand over more data about themselves than they need to, or not um, sort of automatically having video autoplays so that a child might sit and watch more and more and more um, uh, in a row. So that's a sort of about the infrastructure and, and the design of the platforms. And then separately, you see legislators looking at sort of content and protecting children from what has deemed to be harmful content. So in the UK, that would be the online harms bill um, and the idea that the platforms need sort of tighter moderation. They need to police, particularly when it comes to young people, um, for anything that seems to be toxic. Um, and we've seen sort of some of the platforms look at introducing, you know, a, a default settings that are more sensitive. Um, and, and don't show some of this, this nastier stuff for young people. So that's another area, content, design. And then um, we mentioned it earlier, but the sort of parental controls, we've seen several US states looking at um, bills around getting parental consent for social media. 
So Utah just passed a bill into law and that imposes age verification for everyone. And then for the under 18s, you'd need um, parental control. There's obviously some privacy concerns around there. Of, uh, if I'm a 17 year old with a fair amount of agency, do I want my parent deciding what I can and can't see how I use social media? Um, so there's sort of a privacy issue, but there's a couple of other states, I think Texas, Ohio, um, looking at that. Um, and the age verification um, question has been a, a big one, the sort of to what extent have the social media platforms deliberately allowed underage children, so, so sort of under 13s um, on their platforms, despite knowing that they were under 13. Why can Facebook or Meta, how, do, how does it know to target me with an ad for red adidas shoes when i really want red adidas shoes and yet it can't tell mm. that i'm it brings to mind that famous scene in casablanca when uh, somebody says i'm shocked truly shocked when of course they were anything but shocked i'm sure that's the reaction of a lot of these social media execs and then of course yeah. there's tiktok you wrote an interesting piece in the ft you follow tiktok quite carefully they are caught in a, in a U.S.-China battle, almost like a parent, uh, children in a divorce. Um, what, what's, I mean, TikTok is, would it be fair to say it is probably the most popular social media platform, certainly for children now? Um, how is that playing out and how is that affecting the issue of the mental health crisis? I'm assuming it's not being used by conservatives suggesting that TikTok should be banned in the US because then you'd have to ban Instagram and, and Facebook. To, to my recollection, the issue was actually sort of raised in the recent hearing. So the, the TikTok chief executive, uh, Shuzi Chu, um, went before Congress uh, fairly recently. Um, the, the concerns in the sort of China-US tussle are over whether um, TikTok, which has a, a Chinese uh, parent company, ByteDance, is harvesting user data and sending that back to China where it might be used for espionage purposes, uh, but also for propaganda purposes. So, um, uh, you know, the in Beijing, the, the, those leading the platform, tweaking sort of messages or censoring certain content and not other content, um, and I do rem remember someone raising in that hearing the question of, well, maybe they're deliberately trying to poison our children's minds with sort of inane videos because, you know, TikTok... The Manchurian is candidates. Yeah. Well, TikTok bills itself that we're an entertainment platform. We're an entertainment yeah. platform. So what is it, in your view, about TikTok that's made it so successful, especially amongst kids? Is it because it's so easy to use and such short-form video? Yeah, so um, there's a lot of talk about like the secret source of its algorithm, um, sort of how when it, it can analyze from how long you hover over a certain video, sort of what you're interested in not, and feed you something very similar very quickly, sort of using um, sort of AI algos to, to, to generate that for you in a way that the other platforms haven't quite cracked. That's the, that's the, that's the sort of thinking. At the same time, it's also very interactive. Um, it encourages sort of challenges, um, people to, to have these sort of viral moments in a way uh, that the other platforms didn't. It was sort of the first to invest 
straight out the gate in creators and influencers who bring with them audiences and um, sort of having... Yeah, and that's another subject we, have, we probably don't have time to talk about is the mental health situation of influencers. You mentioned AI. You had an interesting retweet on your Twitter page about how Meta is using its new AI advertising platform um, to bypass Apple's privacy changes. Is, um, is AI going to change all this? It's certainly dominating every conversation in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley, quite rightly, probably. It's an increasingly ubiquitous and powerful technology. How do you expect the chat GPT generative AI uh, revolution to impact on this current teen mental health crisis when it comes to social media? No, I think a very boring answer up front, just that the, um, that the social platforms will use AI increasingly potentially for, or they have been for age verification until there's a point at which um, sort of we're asked to actually hand over IDs. But up until then, um, AI may be useful for, from, from that perspective um, to the platforms. So for, for, for age gating, as it's known, um, keeping younger people off. Um, chat, so chat GPT and uh, how this will play into the teenage, uh, into teenage mental health crisis. I imagine on the one hand, it's gonna help, help with people's homework. Um, and Give them the more time hand, to be on social media. <laughs> right, exactly. Giving them more time. There's the indirect. Uh, yeah, they're probably all in favor. So finally, Hannah, you're not an outraged parent, but you've done a lot of thinking about this. What do you think should and shouldn't be done on this teen mental health crisis when it comes to big tech and social media? Where should we address the issue and where do we need to simply stand back and say we're overreacting? Yeah, it's interesting because you will hear from some researchers and psychologists that just sort of un blanket under 16 ban. So nobody, uh, you know, undergo in puberty, no teen, like early teens should have access at all. Right, or under or 14 sort of as, as a general cause. Right, their sort of frontal cortex, they should not have access at all. And... I think in some ways there's, there's probably a case to be made, but it's not realistic because bans like that are unlikely to, to work. Young kids will find a way to get onto these platforms anyway. Um, and so it's a case of trying to make the, well, in some cases sort of child-friendly experiences. Um, I'm not sure so much about the parental controls, but child-friendly experiences, less of the sort of the, the, the nudge techniques. And then I think one healthy move from the companies that we've seen is towards encouraging sort of time breaks, time out, screen time limits, um, which I think is a, is a step in the right direction.